Welcome back, my friends, to the Flicks of the Week that never end. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. I am Joe Spiegel, and once again, sitting across me is... Mike Sutherland. Oh, my God. He didn't interrupt this time. Didn't jump that gun. I almost did. <laughs> I had to say it anyway. All right. Uh, this week, I am going to be picking my flick. <laughs> that sounds weird. Which is going to be Hunt for the Wilder People, which is uh, directed by Taika Waititi. Nice. Which a couple... A few years ago, I don't think a lot of people over here would have known who that is, but some people now, they know that name. They know that name. So, we'll get into that more in a moment. And what you got? Uh, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Oh. You task me. And I wish to continue. You task me. I love the way he says hurting you. Like, he takes pleasure in saying the word hurting you. Hurting you. You know what I forgot was that um, Ricardo Montalban was going to play Esteban in Kill Bill Volume 2 until Michael Parks came in and did it because... uh, uh, Montalban was too sick. Right. So I knew that someone was too sick. I just didn't know it was fucking Montalban. So anyway, that was cool. Uh, anyway, all right. So, all right. Hunt for the Wilder People. A boy and his father. Uh, I already fucked it up, dude. I suck. At this. Why didn't you just keep reading it? I just suck at this. All you had to do is just keep reading. A boy and his foster father become the subjects of a manhunt after they get stranded in the New Zealand wilderness. Wow, that's fucking extremely descriptive. It's like a TV guide, you know. Hmm. Would you like to skip trailer? Ricky Baker. He is a baddie. He's called regular. We're hoping that this change of scene will help straighten him. You hungry? That's a silly question, isn't it? Look at you. <laughs> Ricky Baker, now you are 13 years old. You are a teenager and you're as good as gold. Well, they got their arm because you're obviously white. You're going to jail, you pervert. What you call me? Pervert. Back up, homies, and let go of my uncle. Yeah. We run. No, no, no. we don't need to run. Huh? Oh, yeah. This is fast walk. It's going to be rough. No huts, no tents, real bush life. And if you play up, I'll dump you. Okay, uncle. I'd still prefer if you don't call me uncle. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? What's the fastest way out of here? Jetpack! Can you say the jetpack? No! What? We're offering $10,000 to anyone who can capture them, dead or alive. Alive. They should be alive. Frumpy! She's a bit bumpy around here. Chasing you, relentless. I'm like Terminator. I'm more like Terminator than you. I said it first. You're more like Sarah Connor in in the first movie too, before she could do chin-ups. I remember seeing this this trailer. Yeah. Um, maybe last year, 
Yeah. I think it was last year. I think that's when, I mean. It came out in 2016. Yeah, but it, it may have been the year before. I remember seeing this trailer and thinking, man, that's that's a funny-ass movie. It's That movie has been on Hulu for over a year, and I kept putting off watching it. And finally, I was like, you know what? I need a flick of the week because I don't want to talk about another TV show, even though there's a bunch of TV shows I could talk about. I, I just, what movie can I find? So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Put on the hunt for wilder people the other day. Me and my kids watched it. All right. So it's based on um, a, was it 2008 novel by a guy named Barry Crump. Now, this, this is the funny part about this movie. I didn't realize this until I was reading the trivia when it was over, but there's a lot of things that happen in this movie that that parallel the film up by Pixar with the old man and the fat kid and and them finding a rare bird and fucking their dog goes with them and 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 you know after someone dies and he's got to like do something for his dead wife and all this stuff it's very weird how it parallels it but i think like i said i think the book is before even up came out so it just it's just similar it's coincidental um anyway I am. I, 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 this is one of those movies I wish I was like, fuck, I should have watched this a long time ago. That happens with a lot of movies I put off, you know, like ones that, you know, everyone says is good, but I, I just, I'm not in the mood to watch it because I didn't, I don't even think I saw the trailer for this. But it is one of those films that you could fall in love with. Like, you could watch it over and over again. Like, say how some people fall in love with Napoleon Dynamite or, you know, like me with Napoleon Dynamite or, you know, Nacho Libre or something like that, like a Jaron Hess type film. Uh, Taika Waititi, uh, he has such a great sense of humor in this film um, with everything he does. Shit. I mean, you know, the other two movies that I've seen of him, What We Do in the Shadows and Thor Ragnarok. But the the style, you saw it in the trailer. The style of the sense of humor is a lot like his rock character. I can't remember the rock character's name, but from Thor Ragnarok, because Waititi does the voice for him. Mm-hmm. But it's that, that same, you know, that, that playful, fun style of humor. Um yeah, the book came out in 1986. Oh, shit. Okay, well, then definitely it's before up. <laughs> I thought it was 2008. I must have mixed it up with another book from something else. But, um, all right, well, there you go. At least you know it's not a copy of Up. What if, though? Yeah, that's the name of the book, Wild Pork and Watercress. So the character of um, Ricky Baker, his idol is Tupac, which is funny because they give him a dog for his birthday when he goes to this foster home, and he names the dog Tupac. And he has like he doesn't act too like want to be gangsterish in the movie, but there's a lot of like little quotes and stuff he has that are like inspired by his love for Tupac. And also for some reason I don't remember why. Oh, he went to counseling before the movie starts, and the, one of the ways that the counselor told him to, to get out some of his emotions was to write haikus. So he, he throughout the movie he says these dumb haikus that come to mind, and he'll even name them, even though you know you know how short a haiku is. But he'll still name them, and it's something you know that was already said in the haiku. So it's it's really fucking stupid, but it's funny, and it's that kind of sense of humor. Um, everyone in this movie is funny, and 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 like a little over the top, just not too much, a little over the top, except for Reese Darby's. You know the 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 you know the video game escort guy from Jumanji. Mm-hmm. You saw him in this trailer. He was the crazy looking guy with the big eyes open. He he shows up near the end. He plays Psycho Rick or something like that. Anyway. <laughs> He's over the top, but he's only in the movie for a few minutes. This movie, like, it never goes too far over plausibility. Like, it's stupid. Like, this huge manhunt that happens, it's all because of a, more of a misunderstanding than anything else. But it, the, what makes it so funny is because that lady, who's the child care worker, she's the one that set all this up to go fucking chase them. 
And the reason why they go off into the wilderness is Ricky Baker always runs away. And there's parts where he, he runs away a bunch of times when he gets to the farm in New Zealand that he's staying with. And his foster mother, um, her name was, uh, well, he just called her aunt. So they showed her in the trailer, the one that made a joke about him wanting to eat. Yeah. She dies very early on in the movie. I'm, I'm trying not to give it away, but that's the reason why all this happens is that she dies very like in the first 20 minutes. And Ricky Baker can't stay with Sam Neill's character because Sam Neill is a convicted felon from a long time beforehand. And he also wants to be alone. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to take care of a kid. So what happens is Ricky keeps running away. And finally, <laughs> Ricky fakes his own death in a stupid way. It's fucking hilariously stupid. But um, Sam Neill goes and looks for him real quick, finds him, and then that's when he shows him where he breaks, you know, fucks his ankle up and all that stuff. And then the wild hunt, manhunt happens because he was supposed to let take the kid back, and he never did. So that's why all that happens. But it, it's just there's this bonding process that happens between them, and the movie even um, the movie knows how to deal with serious matters in a mature way, but then also go right from something serious to something funny like 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 you know like a snap of a finger and it, it just it feels more genuine that way because i could i could be serious about something and then the next second i could i could be joking you know what i mean it, it just it works you know i think real life for people works more like that anyway so anyway without delving too deeply into it uh hunt for the willard people is really fun and really it's funny it's all that shit it's 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 kind of endearing. So I would say check it out. It's on Hulu for free right now. So watch that shit. Nice. Oh, God damn it. I do this every time. Last thing. This movie has a very unique soundtrack to it. Um, there are, there's just, there's like old classic songs like by Leonard Cohen before his voice got, you know, Zuba, Zuba deep, you know, and um, the Alessi brothers who I guess they've been doing shit since the 70s. Uh, there's even Cinnerman, the original Cinnerman by Nina Simone plays in the movie. Uh, and uh, there's a there's a New Zealand-based rock band that does like four or more songs for the film, and their name is Moniker. And all that stuff, it just had, like I said, it has this unique sound to it that you've never heard before in a movie. And so it works really well because it makes Hunt for Wilder People stand out on its own. Not like, say, when you watch, say, Suicide Squad, where it plays all that fucking safe, you know, local radio rock shit. You know what I mean? It Anyway, so... You better go on to yours, because otherwise I'm going to think of something else to say about the movie. I'm waiting for you to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my pick of the week is Star Trek II Wrath of Khan. Ooh, Shakespearean vengeance. Nice. And, um, you know, I really like this movie. And I'm not a Star Trek fan, but there's something about this movie that takes a completely separate direction from where the series had gone and then, of course, the first movie. Yeah. And, like... I never saw the first movie on on the big screen. Yeah, you didn't miss anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Even, you know what? Special effects Oscar for that movie. Um, first time it ever happened. Yeah, well, I think. Uh, I, well, at the time, no. Um, Star Wars won a special effects Oscar. I, I, don't quote me on this. I, don't quote you me. You may on be this. right. But I believe that the Star Trek the motion picture was the first film to get um, an honorary um, special effects nomination because at the time they weren't doing it. That's uh, but a that is amazing whole if they, lot of bullshit, but I, okay. I, I'm just saying. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying I agree with it, it, but that is amazing that, you know, Star Wars. I think maybe the, the reason why is because they hadn't already done it for Star Wars, so then they're like, maybe they started paying more attention to, to sci-fi and stuff and their visuals. So that when motion picture came around... Well, we're both wrong, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Prove it. The first 
the first special effects Oscar was in 1927. From the Earth to the Moon. <coughs> hmm. do, 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 do. Um, there was some weird categories that they had for Oscars um, during its It's called run. visual effects. Um, here we go. Special effects awards. The first was 1938, Spawn of the North. <laughs> Sorry. Then the rains. Uh, then it was the rains came, gone with the wind. Only angels have wings, etc., etc., etc. Then the forties, fifties, sixties, seventies. Oh, there's just under different titles. Seventy-seven. Star Wars. Logan's Run. King Kong. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. There, there's something. I, I, fuck. I don't remember. Uh, Superman. Alien. Star Trek: The Motion Picture was 1979, and it lost to Alien. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I, 1980 it. was Empire. 81 was Raiders. 82 was E.T. 83, Return of the Jedi. 84, <laughs> fucking Indiana Jones. God damn, dude. 85 was uh, why Cocoon. Just, why don't they just put every year, just put Spielberg, Spielberg, Spielberg. Yeah. <laughs> Lucas, Spielberg, Spielberg, yeah. Lucas, Spielberg. <laughs> uh, I think Cocoon was... Um, was that- it was uh, um, it's either Zemeckis or Spielberg? Yeah, you know, um, he uh, directed by Ron by uh, Opie Cunningham. Yeah, Robert Zemeckis was originally hired. Yeah, yeah see, no, I'm looking at who produced it. Yeah, the, 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 the uh, Zanuck, Brown oh. and Zanuck. That movie had Wilford Brimley in it. It was a good movie. Wilford Brimley, I think, is still alive. Yes, he's, he is. He's like the the newest Abe Vigoda. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he has the torch now. Yeah, no, well, Ava Goes is gone. No, That's what I mean. It's Bruno San Martino. But I don't hear that name though anymore. Yeah. I don't I don't even remember that name. So um I'm gonna stick with Wilfred Brimley. That's good. You can do that, <laughs> but it's Bruno San Martino. <laughs> um so getting back to uh, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Yes. And um the 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 thing about it is, okay, so when did this movie come out? Eighty two? I believe so. So E. T. Blade Runner and Poltergeist all came out that year. Yeah, and it was still, uh, you know, Star Trek was still a niche thing for a lot of people. Yeah, so here, here's what was released um, in 1982. These are just the highest grossing films. Yeah. E.T., Tootsie, An Officer and a Gentleman, Rocky Three, Porky's, 48 Hours, Poltergeist, The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, which was a, it was a, that was an awful movie, Annie. Wait, hold on, let me see, let me see. Let's see. Does it matter? I, I just, there's... I, I own five of those movies. No, I own six of those movies. I have seen every one of those movies. I've seen them all, but I, I, I own six of those. Um, Glenn Close, Hugh Grant, and Eddie Murphy all made their film debut in, in that year. Hmm. Uh, Coca-Cola acquires Columbia Pictures, and THX Sound System is developed for use in theaters. <laughs> you see around the year, one best picture? Yeah. Yeah, it's more like Yandy. Okay. Richard Attenborough. Yeah, director. Ben Kingsley, Sophie's Choice. Meryl Streep. Uh, anyways, um, yeah, Gandhi just ran it. So, if so. you have an English guy um, portray a um, an Indian guy, would that mean he put on brown face? Yeah, whitewashing. I think Gandhi's in hell still, according to South Park. Maybe that's possible. Little boy, you're going to hell. He didn't give a shit about his wife. He was fucking brutal to her. Okay, so getting back to Star Trek, he was here, but now he's Gandhi. Yeah, here in Gandhi. Yeah. All right. Star Trek. <laughs> the I had it up. I can't remember what the fuck I put it. Do, 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 do. Aren't you supposed to play a trailer for it? Yeah, I'll get to it. <laughs> I, I, that's why I was, I was looking for the Star Trek thing, because there it is. 
Okay, Star Trek The Wrath of Khan is a 1982 American science fiction film directed by Nicholas Meyer, based on the 60s television series created by Gene Roddenberry. Um, it is a standalone sequel to Star Trek The Motion Picture, which features Admiral James T. Kirk and the crew of the USS Enterprise facing off against the genetically engineered tyrant Khan Union Singh, played by Ricardo Montalban. Wait a minute, wait a minute. How's it standalone? I don't know. Standalone sequel, because... Well, because you can actually, um, you, you can watch it out of sequence mm-hmm. with the rest of the movies. But although, I mean, there's Star Trek three, Yeah. So Star Trek two and three technically are like a reboot of the series. Yeah, I mean, you you can technically do two and three as, as companion pieces. And then th- the fourth one is, is definitely connected because it's like immediately happens afterwards. But, I mean, I could see that being separated from it. But right. Yeah, standalone. Whatever. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, a character who first appeared in the 1967 Star Trek episode Space Seed, Khan escapes from a 15-year exile to exact revenge on Kirk. The crew of the Enterprise must stop him from acquiring a powerful transforming device named Genesis. The film is the beginning of a story arc that continues with 84's Star Trek Three and concludes with 86 <laughs> Star Trek Four. Hey, hey, Morty, give me, give me the Genesis, Morty. You, you know what the joke is in that, right? No. God damn it. Beyond the darkness. Beyond the human evolution is Khan, a genetically superior tyrant. Tyrant. Exiled to a barren planet, banished by a starship commander he is destined to destroy. Left for dead, he has survived. Now chase him round the moons, Nivea, and round the Antares, Maelstrom, and round Perdition's flames before I give him up. Not only is Ricardo Montalban buffering, but so is the movie, the trailer. (laughs) There's a lot of buffering going on here. Get off my goddamn network. (laughs) You're mucking up the wiffy. to go on hurting you. I shall leave you as you left me. Marooned for all eternity. Buried alive. Buried alive. At the end of the universe lies the beginning of vengeance. Star Trek II. The Wrath of Khan. I like the basic visual effects of the trailer because when they're setting it all up, you have, um, you basically have like the Star Wars laser effect sounds yeah. instead of the Star Trek phaser sounds. Uh-huh. And then, um, so I mean, th- th- those are all placeholder sound effects yeah. because they were still filming at the time. But one of my favorite scenes is when the U.S. Reliant eclipses over the, uh, the, the Enterprise at, and, all this stuff like takes place really, really quick. Yeah. So after, because Chekhov, Chekhov is 
going to where Khan is at SETI Alpha 5. Well, it's supposed to be SETI Alpha 6. Yeah. And um, when he he's basically charged by the Federation outpost, which is regular one. Yeah. To go and check on this planet, which is supposed to be a dead planet, right? And apparently they forgot that Khan was there. Yeah. So, you know, and I, I was thinking about this because we had been talking about this movie anyways. Yeah. And you brought up something interesting about the whole thing. Oh, it's like uh, with all of that futuristic technology and everything, I mean, you think that once uh, they go into the solar system, you know, scanning for, you know, planets that they can use for the Genesis and stuff like that, that they would notice that there's a planet missing. You know, even, and I understand that there's a way around it, but it's still, how do you not notice that there's a planet missing? Because the planets had shifted. Yeah. So... Yeah, but, it took over its orbit, so they just uh, but yeah. But there's also there's also a um um not fan fiction. There's like a story, like an alt non-canon story, I guess you want to call it. Yeah. Or some kind of explanation and the explanation is 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 that when the Enterprise had scanned the system, they didn't notice the black hole that was there. Mm-hmm. This miniature black hole and it and that's what caused SETI Alpha 6 to to, to yeah, to die. And that's what pulled SETI Alpha Five into SETI Alpha Six's orbit. So they weren't looking. They weren't looking at the system. They were just looking at the single planet. Dude, this would be the perfect time for you to do like a soundbite of of uh, Montalban going. This is SETI Alpha Five. <laughs> I mean that right there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe freaking ads. Fucking. At least they keep them short. That's um. What's his name? Check out who is this man. These people sworn to live and die at my command 200 years before you were born. Do you mean he never told you the tale to amuse your cat? No? Never told you how the Enterprise picked up the Botany Bay lost in space from the year 1996. Myself and the ship's company in cryogenic freeze. I've never even met Admiral Kirk. Admiral. Admiral. Never told you how Admiral sent 70 of us into exile. Baron Samson, with only the contest Cargo Bay to state us. You lie! And City Alpha 5, there was life! A fair chance! Is this City Alpha 5? City Alpha 6 exploded six after we were left. The shock shifted and everything waste. Admiral never bothered to check on our progress. It was only the fact of my genetically engineered intellect Allowed to survive. He just loves the sound of his own voice, doesn't he? He's got a great voice. He's a great character. Don't get me wrong. I just, I mean, the character <laughs> is just, you know, loves to talk, loves to monologue. Yeah. Um, here's the other thing about SETI Alpha 5 and SETI Alpha 6. What? Why is there a picture of Hetfield with everybody, with all the other pictures of Khan? <laughs> I don't know. It makes no sense at all. I don't know. But <laughs> with, um, 
with SETI Alpha 5 and SETI Alpha 6, yeah. that may have been put into um, uh, eyes-only type records, yeah. restricted, so nobody knew about it. Like, don't fuck with Khan kind of thing. Like, just stay away. Just hold, this, like, omission is the best way just to keep people away from it. Well, like, no, I mean, restricted records, yes, but no. I mean, restricted records are restricted records. Mm-hmm. So if those the those planets are only charted by the feder by by the enterprise yeah they're locked away and admiral kirk and and the higher ops yeah know about this because of what happened with space seed but no one else does so they're locked away yeah so when checkoff goes to that system yeah the system is still showing x amount of planets yeah cuz all the planets adjusted themselves to to fill the gap but they're assuming that SETI Alpha 5 is there. Yeah. And Chekhov doesn't know the difference between SETI Alpha 5 and SETI Alpha 6. Yeah. And neither does Dr. Carol Marcus. Yeah. So when, they go in, when they're going to do the Genesis project in this system, they don't know that Khan's there either. If you think about that, what are the fucking odds? You know what I mean? What oh, are it's the, what are, astronomical. Yeah. What no are pun they, intended. It's like, almost like it's fate, right? Like destiny that this happens because... right. For these two to, you know, butt heads again, you know. And, and that's the premise behind this whole thing. And so Khan steals the USS Reliant yeah. and goes on a rampage, killing the people, not all of them, but killing quite a few people on the regular one um, Starbase. Yeah. Uh, while, and, and what's cool about it is it, everything is explained. Like when, when at one point it goes to the regular one Starbase. Yeah, one of the people who almost looks like a you know, uh, it's uh, his name is David. Yeah, it's, it's Kirk's son. Oops, spoiler alert, <laughs> Kirk's son. Um, <laughs> when he starts talking to Carol, his mother, mm-hmm. one, another crew member or he mentions that everyone on board that that base is gone. Yeah, with the exception of this this uh, skeleton crew. Yeah. Because of the Genesis Project. And once they get the Genesis Project off, then they can leave. Yeah. And that was the whole point. Well, that all goes to shit. And Khan steals the Genesis device. And he's going to use it to fucking try to kill Kirk. Yeah. And this whole thing is just... And the, there's not a lot of action in this movie. I mean, there's action, but there's not a lot of action. Yeah. Um, there's the initial... Attack by the Reliant, and then there, and then there's the response by the Enterprise, and both ships are fucking damaged. Yeah, you know, and then they go into the Nebula, the pursuit. Yeah, and and then and then it's just the pursuit, and and you're so caught up in the movie, yeah. that it just flies by. Yeah, literally. <laughs> you, and, you know, and you know what? Also, musical score. Yeah, James Horner did an amazing. Was it job. Horner or Goldsmith? I can't it remember. Was, it was Horner because I think both of them have at times done Star Trek movies. So. It was Horner, um, but yeah, that, I mean, think about that. Think about how different this movie would have been if it had someone else do a sound, you know, do a score that had, was nowhere near as good as this one. You know what I mean? It could have completely changed the feel of this movie. It, it, it felt like a John Williams score. Yeah, um, it was. It was very heavy in. In overtones, this uh, Le Parrot motif type thing. It was powerful enough to be its own character. Yeah, and that's that's what the is it Leit Leit motif. Hold on, Leit. Yeah, Leit motif. Um, 
which is a recurring theme throughout a musical literary composition associated with a particular person, idea, or situation. Mm -hmm. And you have that throughout this whole film when you're listening to... um, when you're listening to the soundtrack for Star Trek Two, yeah, which is uh, it's like hearing it in your head, and there, of course, god damn, boop. You know why they do that now, right? They do that so you'll get frustrated and you'll just say, "Fuck it, okay, I'll pay for red." This is a forty-nine minute ad. I, I'll, I'll, you know what I mean? It's. It's so because some people will just be like, you know what? I'm sick no, of these. No, I'm sick no, of these, these commercials. no, because not every fucking. N- not every one of these plays a trailer. I mean it, man. Only monetized ones play trailers. It seems like Pandora does the same shit, man. They play more commercials now than they used to. And I think it's because a lot of people get frustrated. And they're like, fuck it. I'll pay the, the whatever per month so that I don't have to hear It doesn't anymore. matter whether you pay for it or not. They're still getting their money from the ads or from from the subscriptions. Well, there could be something that's more profitable for them by having It's you do not that. any more profitable. Subscriptions or ads are not any more profitable. You're still running ads no matter what. Yeah, but no, not one is any more profitable than the other. You sure about that? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just. How do you know? How, how do you know that? Because you can charge more for ads. The subscription means nothing. They don't give a fuck about subscriptions. They just want your mailing address. That's what that's all about. Like a CVS pharmacy. Yeah. All they want is your information. I'll take your word for it because I don't know. But I, this is a 47 fucking minute ad. Yeah, and it's not even for the potty. This is this is a how to rank at the top five of Amazon. I'll watch a forty eight minute ad if it's for the fucking poo potty because the poo potty's hilarious. I wouldn't watch a forty eight minute ad for that. I wouldn't watch a forty eight <laughs> minute ad for anything. I don't care. I wouldn't watch a fucking forty eight minute ad for Van Halen. I've watched in my earlier days, which I can't go into detail because there's ears around. But I used to, in the middle of the night, watch those Girls Gone Wild ads that would run for an hour or two in the middle of the night. Why? Lonely, I guess. <laughs> I know why. I'm being facetious. Because I didn't have HBO late at night at the time, and porn was extremely expensive. <laughs> what else do you want? I... Anyway, so this is this is some of Star Trek too. Like you can hear. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, there's that. Here's the theme song. Yeah. But it's this this crescendo right here. And this is this is all throughout the movie. This this theme. Yeah. See. Okay, right there. That music that we just literally listened to just now. That reminds me of um, a part of uh, John Williams' score from Poltergeist. Yeah, that's why I said it's very John Williams esque. Because yeah. this is this is a complete departure from what James Horner is normally associated with. Yeah, you know his is more um, emphatic. Is that what I'm looking for? Khan's pet. It's more. This is very epic, very epic sounding. You know. Yeah, like I said, it's, this is this is John. This is John Williams stuff. Like if you find James Horner, I I guess we can do a best of. I'm going to turn this down. It's only an hour long. <laughs> oh no, I turned it down on purpose. Yeah. But like if you if you listen to Titanic, yeah, as opposed to Star Trek 2, listen how different it is. Yeah. This is more contemporary. There's you know, times, like Rodgers and Hammerstein. There's type. times where Danny Elfman's actually surprised me as well. Like you know, he usually has a similar theme to all of his movies, right? Especially when they're Tim Burton movies. But 
there's times where he's actually like gone out outside of the box of his own safe box and actually impressed me. Yeah. Like Braveheart is very similar to Titanic. I forgot he did Braveheart. I love Braveheart. I used to own that soundtrack. I used to listen to it all the time on my Walkman, on my Discman. And then Legends of the Fall. Fucking two-hour battery piece of shit. Which which is almost the same as Braveheart. And then he did Mighty Joe Young, <laughs> which Paxton. sounds exactly the same. I think it was one of the first movies that had Shirley Theron in it. And Bicentennial Man. Yeah. But again, all of them sound like Avatar. Hey. Is different. Bicentennial Man. There's a joke from that movie. You want to know it? No. How do you make a handkerchief dance? I don't know, Joe. Put a little boogie in it. Great. <laughs> but if you listen to all of his music, like even Star Trek, I mean, obviously, it's, they're going to have his themes and stuff like that. Yeah. But Star Trek Two is a vast departure from all the other movies that he has because they're more light in, in tone. Yeah. Than Star Trek Two, you know we're on Apollo thirteen right now, and and again, you, you there's a lot of horns, and there's a lot of this melody that do 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 do, you know. Yeah. And even Commando, <laughs> it's the same exact fucking it's it's the same exact theme. Yeah, this is the beginning when he he's when she's sneaking up on him and uh, he turns around, she's like, Dad. And then you have aliens. That's hilarious. I I've told you before. My mom took me to the drive-in, and I saw Aliens was showing with Commando. And then you have the Land Before That's Time, funny. Field of Dreams. If you blow, it will come. Troy. Zorro. <laughs> Here I am. But all, all of that stuff has has these same themes. And even, even Star Trek II has these same themes mm-hmm. across all of his music. And the difference between Star Trek II and the rest of his stuff, I think Star Trek II is superior because he was forced out of his... Comfort zone? Yeah, exactly, yeah. into a more, like I said, a John Williams-style zone. Yeah. And I think that's what the studio wanted because of the Star Wars stuff that was going more on More grand the time. scale. You, I think you're right. I think uh, it was a, a competition thing because, I mean, you know, the, it was even the first Star Wars movie. That, that score is still just grandiose. Yeah, Jaws. You know, you have John Williams that came out, and John Williams has been around for a long, long time. Yeah. In fact, he was the original composer for the Poseidon Adventure. And if you've ever heard the soundtrack, yeah. the original soundtrack mm-hmm. for the Poseidon Adventure, and then you heard John Williams' version, yeah, which is out there. It's you can you can listen to it. John Williams' Poseidon Adventure. It's 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 holy shit, amazing. What happened with that? Why didn't uh, why wasn't his score left on there? Did he end up leaving the project or something? No, they fired him. Who the fuck has the the gall? Well, that's because it was like one of his first movies. Well, I don't give a shit. It's still John Williams. Yeah, well, at that point, it doesn't matter if it's John Williams. (laughs) In retrospect, it's like, holy shit, dude. Uh, There's a story behind that. (laughs) Uh, Post-Side Adventure. Um, There were two movies. Two movies that ruined Josh Lucas's career as being a a mainstream lead-level movie hero. And they were Stealth from 2005 and Poseidon, the Poseidon remake. They had him as the leading man in both of those films, and those movies tanked. And all of a sudden, you didn't see Josh Lucas being the lead actor in anything anymore. That was, you know, in in theaters. No. No. Josh Lucas. Josh Lucas. If you've ever seen the Hulk movie from uh, 2003, Ang Lee's Hulk, um, the the super um, overly serious one, 
Josh Lucas played the asshole. Um, oh God, he he wasn't General Ross. He was the other guy. He was. Um, it doesn't matter. Continue on. God damn it. Anyway, yeah, he was the one of the main antagonists of the film. He was the one that was always goading him, goading Mister Banner. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna. I have to look that up now because I know the guy's name. I because his character's on Agents of Shield, General something. What? Oh. What the fuck? Legendary Star Wars composer John Williams says he's never seen any of the movies. That's the biggest fucking lie on the planet when it comes to... He, like what, they out, have to out, watch the movie. Outside of the studio? Does he mean it like that? Like he never sits down and watches the actual movie when it's completed? Is that what they mean? Because uh, that's how they're not putting in the proper context then. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, they're, they're, you, you know how many fucking behind-the-scenes things seen I've seen? seen a of, finished version of any Star yeah. Wars movie. Well, but he doesn't need to because he's doing all the music. Is he calling you again? Talbot. God damn it. He was General Talbot, but he wasn't a general in, in the Hulk movie. Yeah, there's a... But on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., he's now a general. And in the comic book, I don't know. I don't know. I don't read the comic. He's <laughs> always General Talbot. Yeah. Well, I'm saying Josh Lucas played General Talbot before he was a general in the Hulk movie. The Hulk threw a couch at him. He pissed him off. Right. Kicked a couch out. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the... Um, <coughs> The Hulk trailer, Anley's Hulk trailer premiered with the during the Super Bowl when the Raiders <coughs> were playing the Buccaneers, and I remember there's so many people saying, "Oh, I don't, I don't like the visuals. I don't looks like looks like cheap." I think it still looks to this day. I think it still looks most of it looks amazing. It is. It's actually a freaking good film. Yeah, just they just spent too much too long on the on the melancholy with that movie. I still I still think it's a good movie though. There's some really good action in it, and of course <laughs> when you've got um. Uh, Nick Nolte going over the top. That's just yeah. I can never spell this stupid movie. I don't know if he was fired. I know that he he did the opening scene, but um, the rest of the the rest of the uh, soundtrack for Poseidon Adventure. <laughs> hey, water boy, <coughs> you're fired. Okay, I think I'm it. Anyways, um, with Star Trek Two, this whole movie. Works on every level. Mm-hmm. Ricardo Montalban is awesome, even though he monologues like all the time. Yeah. But it's not crap monologuing. He's like <laughs> quoting. It's not proud Mary bad. No, he's <laughs> he's he's quoting from scripture, man. You yeah. know Moby Dick. You know Herman Melville and and uh, and 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 Shakespeare, dude. Yeah, Shakespeare and uh, and all these great writers from history and and. Uh, you know, from hell's heart, I stab at thee. Oh yeah. You know, just I can just hear him talking like that the whole, the whole, forever. Yeah. Well, if you watch Freakazoid, mm-hmm. if you've ever watched Freakazoid, there's there's a part in Freakazoid because Ricardo Montalban plays a bad guy in it, right? And he he does this that entire line that's in in the um yeah in in the uh, in the trailer where he's like, you know, I'll chase you through the Sauron Nebula, yeah. you know. And, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Until until I kill you, Kirk, or whatever he says. Yeah. I, I, but that's that's the whole line. And uh, I can't remember if it's. I think it could be um, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, where Ricardo Montalban does the voice of a cow. Yeah. Or no, no, no. That was it. Was Family Guy. Ah, uh, Kirk, that's friend. That's what it was. He does the voice of a cow in uh, Family Guy. It's like that cow that won't leave. Once you let him in, he won't leave. Yeah. Okay. I, you know what? I, I had to quit playing Terraria with my son because I just like to dig. That's all I do. And I would spend hours just digging up the entire game and just removing as much shit as possible. And I would reroute all the lava to the bottom all the way down into hell. 
and just try to dig away everything I could. It, it, it's fun. I even dug away the ocean. The freaking ocean was gone because of me. I, I, I love how you're incorporating nothing yeah. into this podcast, and nobody knows what the fuck you're talking about. Well, I, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm monologuing because you're, you're searching for shit. Yeah, I um the, the thing I um that's it. Have a have a discussion. I, I finally had. I finally got my son. He knows how to fuck, get me bro? all the stuff, right? And <laughs> and he got me the the quick claws. So just the quick digging. Just so everybody knows what's going on, Joe is having a discussion with my nephew about Terraria because he has no fucking concept of explaining shit. Yeah, you said you wanted this shit to go naturally, right? No, it, you can't. You, it can't be. You can't do that. Have you never heard Howard Stern have off mic conversations with people while he's he's having an off mic conversation with somebody that's actually in the room that actually has something to do with the show? You're having a conversation with a young man who is playing a video game. Who is this young man? And you are. I've already explained it. I don't have to explain it anymore. <laughs> and and you you just start in on the conversation without any you know exposition. Well, you, you always hit me up for all this. Oh, you always got to uh, you know, announce the no, obvious. No, you fuck up everything. You, you got to announce the obvious, Joe. You always announce the obvious. So I didn't announce no, the No, that's not the obvious. I know. Because <laughs> how does anyone obviously know that Bubba's in the background? <laughs> fucking dork. But anyone that's a fan of the show, you know, they know that occasionally Bubba's in the background. No, he's not ever in the background. Occasionally. There's been a couple times. Yeah. So you can maybe hear him breathing or something or maybe a little fart come out. No, none of it. Uh, where the hell is it? Jason Alexander has almost ruined that screaming scene from from William Shatner in that movie. <laughs> almost ruined it. God, he tasks me. That's that's another one of my favorite. He tasks me. Do you hear him? I'll chase him. There it is. I'll chase him around the moons of Nibia and and round the Ontario's maelstrom and round Perdition's flames before I give him up. Prepare to alter course. And he says that. He says that entire line mm-hmm. in Freakazoid. And in fact, he says it quite often. Yeah. Where, you know, you know, uh I can't remember what he the name of the character he plays in Freakazoid right now. Yeah. But he, you know, it's like Mr. Montalban, what's going on? You know, he tasks me. He <laughs> tasks me. You know? And I shall have him. And then it'll go on and on and on. And then like near the end of the episode, it's like, what's going on? He's like, he tasks me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that is this is actually one of my favorite quotes is yeah. I'll chase him around the moons of Nibia because that, that scene right there it seems like he's already gone over the edge like he's already over the edge but that was like the moment to me where there's no bringing him down like when he says that it's like he's even separated himself from his crew yeah he, there's no coming back yeah he's, he's he's in full on freaking Kirk mode no, he's he's in full on. I'm going to die doing this. Yes, it's a collision this course. Is a, this is a kamikaze, murder suicide or a kanakazi. <laughs> murder suicide. Kanakazi. And uh, he's a con- conniving, you know, bastard. Stop it. So, all in all, when when you have this movie on top of having the great soundtrack, yeah, you know, and and look, Shatner's not the greatest actor in the world, but he was really good in this movie. You, everybody in this movie was stepped up their game, you know. Yeah, Shatner brought his T.J. Hooker skills to this movie. No, because he was doing T.J. Hooker at the same time. He he went above and beyond T.J. Hooker. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. And and which is good. It's that's a good thing because I it didn't make him a better actor because when he went back to T.J. Hooker, he was just <laughs> doing the same old shit. But when he came to do Kirk, yeah, in this movie. 
Because this is probably his best performance as Kirk. Um, three was okay. Uh, I'm not a big fan of four because I go back in time, you know, and fucking whales and all this other shit. I mean, who cares? And the, and the rest of them up until the Star Trek reboot, I'm out on because, and, and I've seen them. I've, I've seen it. I've, I've seen all of the movies, but Star Trek two is leaps and bounds ahead of everything else for the, the original series yeah. movies. Okay. Um, even, even the Star Trek next generation movies weren't, in my opinion, I just, I didn't care about them because there, there is nothing that can equal this movie. And this movie set the bar so high for the Star Trek series that every director afterwards failed to live up to that standard. Do you know who directed, uh, Search for Spock? Leonard Nimoy. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yes. I'm quite aware. Okay, so remember during the trailer when I made that Rick and Morty comment? Yes, Joe. Okay. This I don't is, care. No, no, you're going to care. Why? The reason why I made that the, the comment was, give me, you know, give me Genesis, is because Rick is based off of, you know, off of uh, Leonard, or, um, Christopher Lloyd. Right. Damn fucking brain fart. He's based off Christopher Lloyd, and in Star Trek The Search for Spock, Christopher Lloyd plays Klingon. And he yells, give me Genesis. So what? There you go. Give me Genesis, Morty. Okay. See, man, you just... Which has nothing to do with this movie, but okay. It has everything to do, because we do a show called This Show Sucks. Uh, Shameless promotion. And But it has nothing to do with this movie. This Show Sucks talks about Rick and Morty. And it has nothing to do so with... it's like all universally connected. It has nothing to do with Star Trek Two. Nothing. I just told you what it has to do. No, it has everything to do with Star Trek 3. It has nothing to do with Star Trek 2. But Star Trek 2 and Star Trek 3 are, are like... No, like they're not. of like, yes. No. Star Trek 2, then Star Trek 3. If we were talking about Star and, Trek 3, it would relate. And... But it doesn't relate. Both films have the same scene in them. Again, it doesn't relate. Because we're not talking about Star Trek 3. We're talking about Star Trek 2. You know what was great about this movie? If yeah. you're... If you're um, is if that you're still with us? <laughs> <laughs> is that you can um, you can go fuck yourself? I don't remember what I was going to say. I, I totally blanked oh, yeah. what I was going to fucking say. I, I don't. It just it's weird. I, I don't. I don't know what happened. I, I don't. That's odd. I, I don't know what you're. you're That's freaking at. weird. I, I have these, these senior moments and shit. I'm only forty years old, and I'll have an instantaneous senior moment. Like you know, did I just have a stroke in my freaking head or something? Because I. I <laughs> I still don't know. What How do I instantly fucking forget something right when I'm in the middle of talking about it? You don't think that's a problem? Like a condition? You think there's like a walnut fucking tumor in what, the brain? Where did you, what were you saying? I was going to make a, uh, some kind of comparison between the second and third film, and I, I, I can't remember what the fuck it was. This is, this is the level of professionalism I bring to you people. Right here. El Spiegel's fucking brain farts. I, so, anyway. Don't worry, I'll think about it right before we're done. Okay. <laughs> Great. Way to screw up the podcast, Joe. Thanks a lot, Joe. Okay. Oh, okay. Here it is. Here it is. What's great about this movie's ending and, and the subsequent sequel where you were where they were able to bring Spock back, and they did it, it was a really cool way that they did it, uh, is that you could do this this soap opera type, you know, bring back dead character stuff back then because it was still fairly new. And, like, if you can't do it now, because now it's expected or it's obvious and you can't make it a surprise anymore because it's not surprising to anyone that has seen anything in the last 30 years. You know what I mean? Right. 
So, for example, I mean, just when, when we saw Star Trek Into Darkness and they did the whole reversal where, where, where Kirk dies and then you got Spock yelling, Khan, right? Right. It, there was no... Dude, I laughed at that scene because I didn't feel the emotional impact of it. There was no emotional impact for me. Here's that freakazoid part I was talking about. All right. Armando Gutierrez. Armando. Let a light go. No, I cannot. Why? Because he tasks me. He tasks me. Round the moons of Snibia, I chuckle at thee. Beyond the Corpian clouds, I chuckle more at thee. <laughs> Revenge is a dish best served with pinto beans and muffins. Kirk, oh friend, I... Oh, sorry. <laughs> and here's the other one. This is another good one. Let me tell you a secret. No. How about you? That guy looks like Justin Sudeikis made a baby. Justin with Seth MacFarlane. Justin Sudeikis. Jason Sudeikis. Time for questions later. No, there won't. The show's over in ten minutes. Well, if you hadn't wasted all that time in the plane, I... You will all be my guests for dinner. I trust you. You will all be my guests for dinner. Spice. Ringer. 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 I love Tim Curry's voice. I'm going, to, I'm going to fucking learn how to do Tim Curry's voice. That's a good voice to do. It is. Just, uh, yeah, good deal. <laughs> from, from uh, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. I love you. That's Tim Curry right there. Anyways. Alright, so uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I need to be street side around nine, so <laughs> Uh, what the fuck, man? Why didn't you say that? I because I, I didn't know this was gonna run this long. Well, okay. So, um, all right. You got anything else to add? This is a great fucking movie. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend you see it because yeah, as a pick of the week, this movie is one of those movies where if if you don't if you don't have it, get it. Yeah. If you do have it, just throw it on. You know, and it's good to have a little perspective on it too. Like, don't just like rent Wrath of Khan. Because the, the emotional impact of certain characters dying and stuff like that, it's not going to hit you. You got to, you know, catch up a little bit. You know, watch a little original Star Trek. No, you, you don't. It. Just throw the fucking. Uh, movie uh, wait on. a minute. I love Star Trek way more than you do, and I'm telling you, you you need to do that. No, you don't. No, you absolutely don't. Yes, See, Joe's Joe's whole idea of watching movies is you can't just watch this movie. No. You have to fucking watch the entire back catalog of all the shit. You know, and, and like when we go see a movie and it's a sequel, he has to watch the first movie just so he can get into it and then go into the sequel. Yeah, so I can feel it. The, you don't feel movies the way I feel movies, unless there's certain specific. You ones. don't need to watch Star Trek the motion picture to watch Star Trek. I didn't too. say that you don't. Well, you don't really need to watch the motion picture, but I'm talking about some episodes of the original series. No, you don't even need to do that. Uh, I say you do. No, you don't. You can keep saying that, but I'm saying it. You do. No, you don't. You don't. I bet you the death of Spock does not hit did not hit you like it hit me in that film. So okay, great. Just because it didn't hit hit me like it hit you, it's it it's a, like a culmination thing, man. It's it doesn't matter. It it's different for everybody. But you don't need to go back and and revisit whatever just to go watch a movie. That's way too much prep time. You don't need prep time. I didn't say you don't. I didn't say you have to watch the entire series, man. I didn't say that. What I said was you don't need to go and you don't need to prepare to prepare. 
It's like fucking downloading Windows updates, preparing to prepare. You don't need to do that. Uh, Windows updates have nothing to do with, with the context of movies, man. It actually has everything to do with it, and I just said it. It's preparing to prepare. Nah. Because all it does is preparing to install, preparing to install, instead of just installing. You don't need to prepare. You just do. The experience is much better than having to deal with having to prepare for the experience. Just go out and do it. Yeah, so go out and watch a few episodes of the original series, and then... No. Especially Space Don't listen to Joe. Joe Joe knows nothing about experiencing life. Just go experience it. Yeah, experience it by doing that. And don't fucking prepare to prepare. And Joe's excuses for everything about preparing... And watch, you got to do this before you do that. Just go do it. Just go watch the fucking movie. And then you can catch up on all the other you, shit. You cannot compare my love for movies to my lack of life experiences. Yes, I can. No. I just did. Not in this, not in this regard. Yeah. It, you don't need to watch all the back shit, Joe. You don't need to do that. You watch it, and then if you want to catch up on all the back shit, this is how it works. Do you go... If you find... If you find an artist that you like. Go ahead. Keep going. I am. If you find an artist that you like and you go and pick up their album, what do you do with it? You listen to it. Right. And then? Then if you like it, you go off and you try to find more of their work. Oh, my God. Right. Okay. You don't, you don't go and you, oh, my God, this is so great and uh, I, I love this album. And then uh, instead of buying this album, I'm going to go buy all his other albums and listen to them all before mm-hmm. I listen to this album. Okay, so um, we're going to go back to <laughs> when me and you saw Star Trek Into Darkness, and we had this long discussion about when I said, and you disagreed with me. I that, always disagree with you. That the reason of, 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 that it didn't work in, this fi- in that film, the, the dynamic between Kirk and Spock, is because it didn't build up to them being great friends. It just went from the last movie ends and now there's an understanding between them to now they're 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 best friends. And so and then at the end of the film, then they're you know, then 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 Kirk dies for a moment. And it didn't work because you you you're in a completely new universe and you had to start all over again. Okay. Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan is a culmination of the friendship between Spock and Kirk. Which means you don't need and to go ultimate- watch all the episodes because you already know all the fucking history anyways. Seriously? Yeah, no, seriously. You, you don't look. You don't fucking watch Return of the Jedi before you watch fucking Star Wars: A New Hope. Why okay? not? Really? Yeah. You don't need to prepare to catch up for the first time. No, not even for the first time. Just watch the movie and then go back and watch oh, all I'm the so other done. stuff. I'm so done. I can't. I, I can't. I can't have a discussion with you on this. I. I can't. You're the pro- way that you do stuff is so fucking back at bass backwards. It doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make the way you look at it. It doesn't make sense to me because it shows me that you don't care enough about movies like I do. It has nothing to do with that. If you cared, you would fucking agree with some of what I say. No, that's absolutely not true. And in fact, if you go back and just if you're going to go back and watch all that shit before, then you ruin the experience anyways because everything that you watched up until then pales in comparison to Star Trek Two. So now you're fucking just done watching fucking Star Trek. Who the fuck wants to watch seven hours worth of Star Trek or however many hours it is for the Space Seed stuff and some of the, the Kirk Spock stuff, and then you want to watch Star Trek too, and you're like, I don't have much time. Wait a minute, I'll I, watch look, it later. Wait a minute. I'm not going to watch X-Files fucking Fight the Future, which came in between season five and six, before I watch fucking season one. Well, then you suck. I don't care. Okay. That's boring. Right now, it just, just sounds fucking like watch it, it the sounds, movie. See, it just sounds like you're arguing with me just for the sake of fucking. Just watch with me. the fucking movie I, I, and I, I then fa- I, then watch all the back shit. Fuck that! I am right. You were wrong on this. One. No, I'm, no, you're I not. Stand by that. Fucking. I don't. 100%. No, you're not. You are not right on this. Um, 
So. It's a matter of opinion, and your opinion is bullshit. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Thank you. You're going to go watch all the other shit before you go to watch this one. Mm-hmm, dude. It's fucking mock, boring is Mock that? me in a voice like that. That's good. That's fucking boring. Okay. <laughs> you have anything else to add about this movie? No, I don't. <laughs> we both love the movie, so there you go. Joe's wrong. 